All of us are going through something. I encourage you, it won't last forever. That God will set us free. There's hope. Why do we suffer? Endurance. Patience. Hope. Future with Jesus. That's why. That's why we hurt. Because gives God something to set us free from. It'll make that the final destination so much sweeter to be with Jesus. Uh, just imagine that. Just, just imagine for a second you standing before <clears throat> the Lord Jesus in all of His glory and everything else melting away. Since of relief and love that will wash over you. Your questions, gone. I don't think you're going to have very many questions when you meet Jesus. He's the answer. Your faith becomes sight. Your hope becomes realized. But now we see in a mirror through a glass darkly. You're not going to see it all. It's not going to all make sense. Hang in there. Those of you who are hurting this morning, hang in there by faith. Richard, hang in there. Julie, hang in there. Belinda, hang in there. Nelda, Mita, hang in there. Miranda, Jaslyn, Alexis, Greg, Miranda, hang in there. Roy, you're so stubborn, you don't know any better. You're going to hang on no matter what. Roy's just in this for the... He, he thinks life is a roller coaster and the dude is always going, Wee! Some personalities take it differently than others. Hang in there, Jim. Hang in there, Calvin. Sisters in the back. Hang in there. Keep it together by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Share and keep on shuffling. And keep on limping. Just keep on. When you can't do anything else, we get up by faith. We have breakfast by faith. We face the next thing by faith. Even if everything else doesn't make sense, Jesus has given you a reason to live. To live. Bear the cross. But like we just sang at the last line of that song, share the treasure you found. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for a scripture reading before I bring up our special guests. Glad to have you here today, Bill and Debbie, traveling the globe. You've got more airline miles than all of us put together, I think. We don't go far around here. This is not related to his message. This is, well, it could be. He'll probably make it. He's good like that. 1 Corinthians 9. <clears throat> 
Our scripture reading is going to be verses 19 through 23. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Thank you, Bill and Debbie, for becoming many things to many people around the world, from Germany to the U.S. to Hong Kong to, I'll let you share the next step. Uh, We're glad to have you today, so come let us know what's going on in your lives. Get my junk out of your way. Well, it's great to be back with you. I think it was just a little over a year ago that we were here with you, and uh, then we spent the fall taking care of some things, getting ready to go to Hong Kong, and then we were in Hong Kong from January till June and got back and had a great time. I mean, seriously. God could not have given us a better first assignment in Hong Kong. It was amazing. Now, I don't know if you all remember us. There was some things that we were very skeptical of going to Hong Kong um, last year. But as we got on the ground, all fears were dispelled. It was amazing. The, the people were absolutely incredible. The, and we have to give credit to the skeletons. And we're going to talk about uh, their furlough here in just a second. But they prepared their people for us coming in. So when we came in, it was like Pastor Bill. And they call the pastor's wife Simo. So it was like Pastor Bill, Simo Debbie. And it was just so beautiful the way we could just go in and not miss a beat. And we did. Bill did preaching, and I taught the ladies, and we did a How to Study Your Bible class, which you'll talk about that too. You'll see that in the video too. You'll see them doing some hand things like this. Um, This means they were talking about what's important when you're studying the text is context, and context is the king. So they put a little crown up on their head like it that. Was a, well, because we always do Burger King crowns in our class, and the closest Burger King was up on top of what they call the peak, and I'd already gone up there once, and I didn't want to go up there again and get all the Burger King hats, so we just said, everybody do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, But before we go any further, I have to take your picture. So we have to. We have to. It's just it's a must. That's what she okay, does. you got to stand back. Okay, well, because I can't get off. You look into the panel for me. Want to talk? Okay, so he's going to do a panel because I don't know how to do it. I mess it up every time. So, but can you wave and lean in? Lean in. Okay, lean. We're leaning like you love. Okay, there you go. Okay. Did you get it? Okay, good. I hope. Now I've got a good picture to put on Facebook. Maybe. Because usually it's just these short little things. But we now are back from Hong Kong, and there were about 7 million people there on this tiny little island. I don't think your picture took. That's not my fault. I screwed up the panel. Okay, then I'll just do a regular one. Do a regular one. Okay. 
Do a, do a video one. Oh, a video? Okay, I like video. Okay. Now you can actually lean now and move Now you can and lean wave. in and you can wave and you can say hello because this is going on Facebook. <laughs> hey. Oh, I can't say it yet. Okay, never mind. Okay. <clears throat> I, I don't know if I said this last time, but usually I medicate her before I get up here because she's real hyper. But we're doing well anyway. We are doing We're doing well. really good. And we want to talk to you and just tell you a little bit about furlough. Furlough. What is a furlough? A lot of people don't know what mm -hmm. furlough is. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have a misconception of what a missionary is supposed to do on furlough. And most people think that a missionary is supposed to come and just work like a dog when they come off the field. But there are three aspects that we found in furlough, and David's going to give you okay. what and those then you're three that I'm going to explain. Okay. So let's see if you can name them back to me after I tell you. Are you ready? The first furlough is what we're doing right now. We're reporting. <laughs> we're telling you what happened. Uh, and, oh, we didn't I'm tell. Fine. Has anybody ever seen us before? I mean, not seen us before. So you all know we were in Germany for over 20 years? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Just wanted to cover that. Um, one furlough is, is that we report to churches. And that's what we're doing with you guys. We're coming in. We're reporting. We're telling you all the good things that have happened and the needs that we might have and things of that nature. I thought you wanted me to find I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The next thing we do is a missionary can be out raising support in new churches because a lot of times, um, the, you know, the funds drop off and you have to raise new support so that you can do the work that God's called you to do. And by God's grace, um, pastor just told us, can I say what you told me? Um, and we just heard that you guys are going to increase our support, and we are so thankful for that because it helps us get down the road and stay on the road and do the work God's called us to do. We were shocked. Yeah, and, and thankful because we so thankful. airline tickets, although we're racking up the miles, we're racking up the, the bills. And so um, it, it's great to be able to pay for those tickets and pay for the things that you need to get. Uh, we were needed to outfit ourselves, for example, for going up to a cold environment because... Now that we were in Hong Kong, it was all like this kind of clothing. Now we got to get boots and heavy coats and stuff that we didn't have. And the next furlough is, the type of furlough is what we're also doing in the midst of reporting is, and most of the time this is for new missionaries or like us where we have to raise more funds, it's fundraising. Okay, now you can explain. I just explained that. So um, she meant to tell you that it was to rest. And so we need to rest at times. Rest? Missionaries need to rest. Sometimes, like the missionaries we're going up to Alaska right now, they are needing a medical furlough. In 2019, we needed a medical furlough because Debbie was so sick. And so these particular missionaries have struggled for over a year with health problems, the husband first. Now the wife has pancreatic cancer, and she had her thyroid completely removed. So we need to pray for this couple. And we need, we need to personally go up there and fill in for them. And this is what the whole thing about relief missions is all about. Um, one thing about relief missions that I think people don't understand is that we're not going up there to just watch their house and just, you know, go see the sites. Um, I was just talking to Dave, and he said, what do you actually do? And that's a good question because basically I come in as an interim pastor, and I come in, and I am the interim pastor. She's the pastor's wife, and we do what pastors and pastor's wives do in a church. And so I wondered, though, when we were called to this, this particular ministry, is this biblical? Do we find this in the Bible? 
And actually, when you know about Paul the Apostle, who is the greatest missionary who ever lived, there are at least five places in the New Testament in Ephesians and Colossians and 1 Thessalonians and 2 Timothy and Titus that all talk about Paul sending out at least five men that are named there to particular places, men that were faithful, men who were obedient, men who were partners in the ministry, men who could go in and comfort the people and comfort the the apostle as he was away from the people he wanted to be with and to encourage and to strengthen. And that's what we saw when we went over there. Mm -hmm. uh, we, this was the testimony. Maybe you could share some of the testimony of both the missionary and the people that we shared. When we got there and the skeletons left and we just stepped in and it was unbelievable how uh, easy it was, like I'd said before. But as we were there, the few weeks went on and the people were, came up and a couple of them said, you know, we thought that it was going to be really hard um, for you to come in, but it has been so peaceful to know that we have a pastor who is leading us, and that gave that that flock so much peace and comfort, but then we got a testimony. The skeletons had written us a little text, and they said, guys, we have to tell you something. We are so thankful that you were there because we're so far away, and we need to raise more support because Hong Kong is the one of, one of three most expensive places to live. And so... They didn't need the additional stress worrying about the ministry. Right. We, we had experienced that in 2005 when we, we had come back to the States to bring our daughter to Bible college. And then, but we didn't have someone that was really long-term trustworthy there. And when we were distressed, we were, we were doing video chats and we were trying to do raising funds to take care of our daughter. And we're doing two things at, at one time. And that was hard. And mm -hmm. so we know what it is for these missionaries to be able just to relax, do their work, and not have to think about what's happening over on the other side of the ocean while they're focusing on the, the reporting or the raising of funds or the resting. And one of the other things that we were able to do was to bring our skill set um, of teaching a course called How to Study Your Bible. And so as we got in there the, for three months, we can teach that class in three days, but we drug it out to three months and, and did a whole book of the Bible of Titus. And, and to give them um, the foundations to build upon so that when that missionary comes back, they, are, they have more skills than before, and they can now be a help to the pastor and, and strengthen him in all the things that they've learned. And it's, it was just incredible. Now, what Debbie meant, I, I'll just specify this, and what she meant by drug it out, it sounds a little negative, but um, we, we didn't drag it out. Um, what happened was, is normally we do a weekend seminar. And yet, we, what we found over the years is that people are just overwhelmed with the amount of information you're giving them to how to observe the text, how to interpret the text, how to apply the text. Um, and so what we did is we took it, the, we just took the time, and we just took three months. And so when we go up to Wrangell, did I tell him yes, going you yet? did. You just We're going to Wrangell, Alaska, by the way. He doesn't keep and, secrets very well. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, we are going to be just starting from the first week with our How to Study Your Bible all the way to the end. So we'll be in Wrangell for four months, at least for the first, I think, first round. It really depends on the health of mm -hmm. of uh, the, the missionaries. So we're scheduled to be there from October until February, and then we come back, and then we have some meetings. And uh, in, in February, March, and maybe two or three months of meetings and furloughing again. 
And then uh, if they need us to come back, then we would go back. So when you see in the video, you'll see um, the people uh, around a little whiteboard and all these kind of things. That's them playing the games uh, that we, we did during the How to Study Your Bible class, just so you know a little bit of context is what's going on in the video. And we are just so excited. So it's Alaska, and we're going to wrangle. And this Texas girl doesn't do cold very well. So y'all need to pray for me um, because it's going to be quite cold. But we um, maybe Dave can send a, oh, a link to people where that the wrangle we're going to is because because there's like three different yeah, wrangles and it's tiny. It's a tiny little. Well, it's not a. It's an island. But the the where we are going. Okay, remember Hong Kong had over seven million people. Now we're going to an island of about twenty five hundred people. So it's going to be tiny. It's a little fishery during the summer months. So we get to be ministering to the locals, which we are so excited about because we can really pour everything into them and help them um, just strength, be strengthened in their faith. So you're going to give them a test. Oh, okay. Here's a test. Are you ready? What are the three reasons why people go on furlough? One. Report. Two. Fundraise and rest. Very good. You're, so you're good. getting an A plus. Um, I usually have Snickers I throw out. <laughs> so. But I hit someone last time I threw one, so I thought <laughs> I'd not throw them anymore. I don't want a liability thing here. Are we? Am I done? I think we're done. Okay. We're going to do our video now.
over there in the church. Um, I just recently got some photos, and they're having one of the worst typhoons uh, that they've had in a while over there. So it's like Category 3 or 4 and lots of flooding, but they told me that everybody's okay. And, and uh, you know, it's just you get connected to the people. We, we really connected to the people. And the last Sunday there when I was saying goodbye, that was really hard for me. I was very emotional um, because you get to know those people and love those people. And they were asking us to stay, and, and uh, so it's hard on them as well. So it's a, it's a great ministry. Um, some people all, all always ask us, too, do you speak Chinese? And I'm like, no, I do not speak Chinese. I speak English and some German and no Chinese. I, I, I do say that I would love for the Lord to um, reinstate the gift of tongues. That would be great. Um, I'd be all over that one. But uh, we had a great translators uh, when I needed it. And then they have these great apps today that if you're in the grocery store, you can just type it in and say, where's the milk? And it says it in Cantonese, and they can show you where the milk is. Uh, so God, God is good, and, and we're able to make it around to different places in the world. And we're just thrilled to be back again. Um, it's always great to be with you. And this morning, uh, what I want to do is I want to take you through kind of a quick version of what I did over the six months when I was there. Uh, when we were I was teaching in James, in James chapter 1. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. Um, I only got through James chapter 1 in the six months that I was there, so I'm very slow. So we're not going to take that long to this morning, um, but we're going to get through James chapter 1 uh, in this time together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll, we'll look at James chapter 1, and hopefully we'll be encouraged and convicted by the Word of God. Father God, we thank you for this time that uh, we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you that it's because of you, Father, and your Son, and the Spirit of God, and through the Word of God, and hearing the good news of the gospel, that we can come to saving faith. And I pray for those of us today, Lord, that are sitting in this church that are true believers, that we would be sensitive to the preaching and teaching of the Word, that our eyes and ears would be open, and we would be prepared to um, just change where we need to change and grow where we need to grow. And for the, those who are here, Father, who do not know Christ, I pray that you would bring a deep conviction upon them through the Holy Spirit of God and guide my words and my thoughts and the preaching of the Word, Father, to do a mighty work in this place today and around the world. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Whenever I you know, open God's Word, I'm amazed, first of all, that it is God's Word. Do you believe that? Um, and that's the thing we need to understand. A lot of people say that they're Christians. I mean, this nation claims to be, I heard the other day, 78% Christian. But when you hone it down to what a real Christian is in a biblical sense, they came down to figure that maybe 4 to 6% are really in the in Christ category. So our nation is not as Christian as we think it is. Um, and this is the case around the world. We have a dark world. And at this point in time, we're living in a nation where we still have some freedoms. I heard that this, uh, the rumblings of the whole COVID thing is coming back around. And that's never fun because then the old mandates and the, this mandate for the shot, mandate for the mask, and the mandate for traveling and all the shutdowns, and I'm praying that this does not happen. 
because it makes it difficult to travel around the world when these things are happening and it shuts down mission work and even church work here in the States, sadly. And so when we look at this and we know it's God's word and we say we believe this, we need to really then say, if I really believe this now, I need to actually live this out. And that's not easy, is it? I know it's not easy. I have to live life. When I step down from the pulpit, I have to then get in a car and drive down the road with Hyper Girl. And um, we have to go down there and work through things and deal with things. And I love my wife. We've been married going on 39 years. And um, it's been a blessing. And it's been, it's been a teaching and learning experience. And, and there's challenges in life. And there are things in life that, that are for us and things that are against us. And Satan does not want us to be victorious, but Christ has given us victory. But we need to live and walk in that victory. But that means we have to go do what Christ said. And he said, abide in me and abide in my words. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that is a salvific statement, but it is also a sanctifying statement if we are really understanding this. And so many Christians say they believe in Christ, but they live their life like Americans. Let that sink in. You are not a citizen of America ultimately. You are a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. And if you are more American than you are Christian, then there is a problem. And the believers at this time that James was writing to, James the half-brother of Jesus, he's writing to believers who were dispersed around the, the known Roman Empire. Why? Because of their deep faith in Jesus. Because they were different than the society around them. And if you have never been persecuted in this life, this means one true thing. This means that you are not pressing into the darkness far enough. This means you're living a protective life of a silent Christian. Well, they'll just know that I'm a Christian because I'm such a great person. Well, here, listen up. I learned very quickly that when we were in Germany that there were a lot of Germans that were living a more moral life or Muslims that were living a more moral life or Hindus were living a more moral life than a lot of people who claimed to be Christians. So it's not just what they're seeing, it's what they're hearing. Salt and light. And so these people were salt and light and because of this, they were persecuted and they were pushed out of Jerusalem into the outer reaches into the Gentile regions of the world, having to leave their family and their homes and their businesses and giving up everything because of the gospel. And we in America do not understand that yet. And I say yet because a storm is coming and the bubble has burst in America and the dream that we have been living in is going away. And the times of persecution are right at our door. And if we as adults don't teach our kids and our grandkids about this and become more proactive in this instead of fearing what they might think about us, then this country is going down hard and fast. If you don't already see it, you're blinded. You're blinded. And it's easier for us because we were gone for 25 years. And when you come back to a nation that has completely changed from when we left in 1998, you were like, whoa, what in the world has happened to this place? 
But most of the Christians have been sitting there like that proverbial frog in the pot of cold water that's being slowly heated up and they don't notice they're being boiled. They don't get it. They're just like, oh, yeah, we adapted this. Okay, we adapted it. Okay, we adapted it. Oh, yeah, here we are today. How do we get here? Because it was just little things that we capitulated to and gave into. And these Christians didn't do that. Yet, they were discouraged. And so James now is writing a letter to them to encourage them through the things they're going through. Chapter 1 gives a ton of things. And 2, 3, 4, 5. Each one is so much richness of things that each of us need to know for our lives today. Not just then. It is like then and now. We need to bridge that gap and say, that was for those people then, but now this is how we are to live too because this is an eternal book. Do you believe that? My wife does. Does anyone else believe this is an eternal book for us today? Um, and we need to understand that James is not just writing some little nice pen pal. This is the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God for them then and us today. And he says in verse 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So again, he's, he's writing to Jewish believers who've been scattered around the known world. And the first thing that he addresses is this, because they're going through it, and he knows they're going through it, and it's something that Pastor talked about this morning in another way, is that he says, count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So here we have believers today that are going through trials, but it's not this kind of trial specifically. And in the context, he's talking about persecution for their faith. He's not talking about the fact that you're having health problems or financial problems or relational problems. Those are secondary and tertiary issues that we could say by implication could apply to the text. But here, specifically, they were being persecuted for their faith because they claimed to be in Christ. <coughs> and so he's trying to help them to understand Hey guys, hey gals, you need to have joy because joy now is going to produce endurance. <clears throat> I know that when I was back in the day, first time I was here years ago, I did a martial arts thing and I was much younger and much healthier. I still was bald, but I was much healthier. And I remember, I think it was, was it you that I kicked into the drums or something? Debbie was wondering if those were the same drums, and I thought, no, they've surely replaced those a long time ago. But the point is, is that I know that back in the day when I was training, four, five, six hours a day, it was painful. But I had joy because I knew that it was creating an endurance in me that when the trial came, the test and the time to fight in that tournament or to be tested that the pain level wasn't going to be as hard and as intense as it would be if I had not trained, as if I had not gone through that pain to get there. And I recall one time specifically when I was in a tournament, and I had trained so hard, and my trainer was so hard on me, that we just did massive amount of physical training. This guy did a jump spinning back kick earlier in the tournament and kicked the guy out of the ring. And I'm like, okay, I'm next. So i got to step up into this. So I step up in there, and the guy does a jump spinning back kick on me, and I just stood there and looked at him. And he looked at me. 
And he thought, oh man, I'm in trouble. Because this guy didn't even move. And that's because I went through the pain and the trials and the testing to become durable and hardened to the test. And that's what God wants you to do in your trials. God has orchestrated your trials specifically for you. My trials are different than your trials. Yours are different than mine. But God is good. Do you believe that? He's a good and gracious and loving Father who gives us what we need. Why? Because ultimately, Pastor mentioned some of the things Paul talks about in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. He talks about you're going to have endurance and proven character and a hope. But ultimately, beyond all that, his goal in taking you through your trial is to make you more like Jesus. So when you look in the mirror today, or talk to your mate today, or ask someone who's close to you today, am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? Do I look more like Jesus? Do I sound more like Jesus? Do I think more like Jesus? Do I live more like Jesus? Because that's his goal, to make you more like Jesus, not more like an American. Do you believe that? And so he's taking these people through this, and he says this, but let patience have its perfect work, or endurance have its perfect work, that you may become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And he's talking about spiritual maturity. So not only am I going to have joy and endurance, but I'm going to grow spiritually. But if I'm struggling in this, he says this in the next verse, if any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom in what? Wisdom in the trial. Ask God. Ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. But ask in faith with no doubting. God does not want us double-minded. He doesn't want us wavering and wondering if God's going to answer that prayer. If you're asking God for wisdom from above, which he talks about in chapter 3, he's going to give you that wisdom that you need to endure that trial the way he wants you to. And then the, the benefit of the trial ultimately, again, goes down to the ultimate benefit is in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures trials, for when he has been approved or when he has passed the test, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And that's what happened to me in that, that tournament back then. I received a temporal trophy. And in that day when we stand before him and we've endured to the end and we have not given up and we have not denied him, but we have proclaimed him by our words, by our life to those around us, we are going to receive this crown of life. So this is the proper response to trials. Joy, which produces endurance, which produces spiritual maturity, and ultimately this crown of life. Then the next thing that we see in the text as we move down is this, he says this because they're going through these things. They're tempted. Tempted to what? Tempted to fear, to worry, to doubt, to despair, to run, to not speak, to be quiet within the community, to not step up and continue to be a Christian because they don't want to be run off again. And he tells them this. He says in verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So the first thing we see there in verse 13 is 
God tells us through James, don't blame God. Do not blame God. The second thing is, take responsibility for your own temptation. Clearly stated in the text. We're tempted. Not, don't go back to the old Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. Our granddaughter said, us, said that to Debbie uh, about a month or two ago. When Debbie said, no, Sarah, why did you do that? She said, the devil made me do it. And, and Debbie goes, the devil did not make you do that, Sarah. She says, the devil made me do it. She's five years old. I think the devil does make her do it. I think she's possessed sometimes. But I love her. I love her, and she's my granddaughter. And uh, so we, we deal with the little demon within. Uh, but we cannot blame the tempter. Although he is the tempter, we are to take responsibility because those are the things that are within us. That fear is within me. When we first got the call to go to Hong Kong, at first I was like, whoa, I've always wanted to go to Hong Kong, man. That's where Bruce Lee was and all this and, and all these things. And then all of a sudden I think, wait a minute, China owns them now and communism. And I don't want to go to prison. And you're thinking all these weird thoughts that come into your mind. And then I heard a sermon taught from a pastor. And I knew what I should do. And Debbie's like, go talk to the pastor. I said, I don't want to talk to the pastor. She said, go talk to the pastor. I said, I don't want to talk to the pastor. She said, talk to the pastor. I said, okay. I said, but I know what he's going to say because I would tell the same thing to someone asking me this question because the, the, the message was on from Luke <clears throat> 14. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you're my true disciple, this is what you'll do. And when I went up to him, he said, what do you think I should do? He goes, Bill, you know what you need to do. I said, I know, I just didn't want to deal with it. And after I just let it go and put it in God's hands, those fears were dispelled. We talked to the missionaries through a video chat, and they said there was a, at this time in, in Hong Kong, there's a great freedom. You can actually tell people you're a missionary. You can hand out tracts. You can talk to them openly about Christ if they'll talk to you. Uh, so at this time, it's a two-party system, uh, but I think eventually China will swallow them up, and they're taking it bit by bit. But right now, the missionaries have freedom. So it was completely unfounded. It's one of the Safest cities in the world. I mean, we felt safer there than Springfield, Missouri, to be honest. Um, it's the 18th safest place in the world to live. We could walk anywhere. We could go anywhere. We were out at midnight coming back from another missionary's place doing on the MTR, riding this train. Make connection to connection to connection. If you're in New York doing that at midnight, you're toast. Or Chicago or Detroit, where I'm from, you're not being in that neighborhood at night. We could be in no problems, none. God has washed over us. We have felt completely covered and protected by the Lord. But we, we put those fears aside. We gave them to God. We looked to Him, and we trusted Him, and He took care of us. So don't blame God. Take responsibility and remember what He says in verse 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, or don't be self-deceived, brethren, 
Every good and perfect gift is from above. And that means the trials that I'm going through are included in those good and perfect gifts because he wants me to become more like Christ because I can't depend on myself. It doesn't matter if you have a black belt or a gun or if you have a lot of money. If God wants someone or something to touch you, they will touch you. And if he doesn't want them to touch you or a virus, it will not touch you. Do you believe it? Remember when... when Satan came to God in regards to Job. He had to ask permission to touch him. Nothing can touch you unless God allows it. So the things you're going through is because your loving Father wants to grow you and make you more like Jesus Christ. So don't blame God. Take responsibility, and God only gives good and perfect gifts. Now we move into this section that is the, really the, the crux of everything, the proper way to receive the Word of God. Three ways to receive the Word of God. Submissively, purely, and humbly. We're going to see this in these verses, of verse 19 through 21. It says this, So then, beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to get angry, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, secondarily, by implication, we could use this when we get cut off in traffic. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, yeah, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Or when you get in an argument with your wife or vice versa with a husband or the kids are irritating you, quick to hear, slow to... Secondarily, Implications, yes, but primarily this is talking about how we as Christians receive the truths from God's Word. Because in this section of Scripture, we see the Word of God mentioned over five times. We see the Word of God spoken of in different ways as the Word of God, the law of God, the implanted Word. And we see this very clearly. So he's talking about when you hear as a Christian the Word of God spoken to you, like today in this message, or when you're reading your Bible by yourself, or when another believer comes up to you and begins to, to speak into your life truth from God's Word. He said, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because it's always easy if someone comes up to you and say, hey, brother, I've noticed that this is going on in your life, and now you put up a wall immediately because of your pride or your ego and say, how dare you tell me what I need to do? And yet, the Word of God tells us to admonish one another and to speak in each other's lives. In fact, in chapter 5, James says this in verse 19, of chapter 5, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, how do you turn him back? You've got to go to that person and talk to them. You don't have to go to them and grab them physically and turn them around. You're turning their mindset around with the word of God. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So the first thing we do when the word of God is coming into our purview is to be submissive to the Word of God. The second thing we have to do is to be pure. Verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. This is the remnant of that old man that is attached to us still. 
this goes back to the mindset of what Paul wrote in Colossians and Ephesians of put off the old and put on the new. If you were a liar, you become a truth teller. If you were a thief, now you do good with your hands. If you were immoral, now you are pure. And so therefore, we as Christians have to think the same way. You cannot go to the word of God with impurity in your life. You can't do it. It's not going to work. You will not receive what God is speaking to you about. So purity is important. The last thing he says there, and receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So the proper way that I am going to receive the word is with humility. In chapter 4, he's very clear in verse 6, but God resists the proud and gives more grace to the humble. Then he says, therefore, submit to God. Do you want to have victory over the evil one? Who wants to have victory over the evil one? Humility? Listen to this. Submit to God, then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You can't resist the devil on your own. You're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. There's no way. So humble ourselves before God, submit to him, and now I can resist the devil, and he'll flee from me just like he did from Christ. The next thing that we see here in the text is the proper way to respond to the word of God. So we had the receiving of the word, now responding to it. And he says this in verse 22. Being doers of the word and not hearers only. Here's that, again, being self-deceived. A lot of people will sit in church or read their Bible, and it will literally either just, it will just won't penetrate, or in and out. Or there's an emotional moment, and then you walk out the door and you completely forget about it. I'm guilty of it as well. I'm in the same boat as you are. So we have to resist this. We need to be hearers and doers, not simply hearers of word. A hearer of the word is someone who knows religious stories. Someone who knows names and dates and places in the Bible. Someone who knows theology. Someone who could tell you story upon story from the Word of God, but their life doesn't reflect it. This, these people are called Pharisees. Paul used to be a Pharisee. These hearers of the Word knew the Bible. Listen, we lived in a region in Germany where this thing developed called higher criticism. And these theologians in the city of Tübingen would go in there, and they were, most of them were lost, and they knew the Bible inside and out, but they were completely lost. They knew the grammatics. They knew the language. They knew the history. They knew the archaeology. They knew all of it. But anything related to the supernatural, they removed. So they have a dead and cold understanding of what the Bible is. And some people, even sitting here, sadly, probably are in that same situation. You've heard it your whole life, and you believe now, chapter 2, verse 19 says, Even the demons believe and tremble, but we know they'll never be saved. So belief alone will not bring you into the kingdom. Belief with a life change, faith in Christ alone, is something that produces fruit. Must produce 
God-honoring fruit in your life in order to be truly in the faith. That's a true believer. There are many that believed Jesus, but he did not believe in them, John chapter 2. There were many who followed Jesus and were disciples of Jesus, John chapter 6, but he told them too many hard sayings, and they followed him no more. The people that Jesus told to hear the truth, believe the truth, and live in that truth in John chapter 8, they picked up stones to kill him. So simply saying, I believe, is not enough. I could say, and I've said this for years, that I believe physical fitness is important. But if all I do is sit on the couch and eat donuts, which I love donuts, and I never exercise, then I don't really believe it. So we need not just be hearers of the word. And he says this, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And this is what a lot of believers do. They hear it, and they forget immediately. That was a sad thing. We, we loved camp work. We were camp directors. I was a camp director. She's a program director. And we had this great mountaintop experience with the campers, and almost... Within weeks of being at camp, those kids forgot everything because it was, a, it was an emotional response to the gospel. We need more than emotional response. There is emotion connected to it, but that's not the driving force. Then he says this, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word and the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If you want to be blessed, who wants to be blessed here? Anybody? This half doesn't want to be blessed. These guys all want to be blessed. First of all, we have to endure our trials with joy. That's what he says. We have to endure it to the end. We need to pass the test, but we need to be a hearer and a doer of the word and the work of God as well. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this time where we could open your word. Some of these truths are very hard truths, maybe some hard things to swallow for some, and I pray, Father God, that you would work in their hearts and their minds and they would respond accordingly if someone here is not truly in the, in the faith, Father. I pray that they would at this moment, where they're sitting, they would just call out to you and believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior for real and have a radical change take place in their heart and life. And I pray, Father God, for those believers who are truly in the faith, but they're maybe a little stagnated and getting lazy and sluggish with their faith. I pray, Father God, that they would be convicted by the words of this, this message in regards to how we respond to our trials and how we respond to temptations and how we receive the Word of God and how we respond to the word of God. Let us do this according to your word and for your glory and your praise and bless this church and bless this pastor and his wife and family as they lead here in Eden, Oklahoma, Father, in a mighty way. We thank you for them. They've been a blessing to us and we love them and we love you, Father. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Our church supports some fantastic missionaries. We don't get to see them all the time, but that's a good thing. That means they are, with our support, promoting Jesus Christ 
all over the world in many ways, in many shapes, in many forms. If you don't give to missions, you're not a part of that. I encourage you to give specifically to missions. All the money given to missions goes out to missions. Um, that is huge around here. Um, thank you, Bruce. Um, you've been a lifelong supporter of missions. That is the DNA of our church. Um, thank you. Thank you, Bill and Debbie, for surrendering your lives to missions. We have some students who are feeling that calling. Um, pray. Pray that God would stir all of us up to care more about our, ourselves, our families, our cities, our county, our state, our country, the entire world. Uh, yeah, we're going to be hearing a lot about Alaska. I don't hear much about Alaska. So that's good news. Um, stand with us. Let me pray for Bill and Debbie real fast, and then we're going to sing a song of dismissal. Heavenly Father, we lift up the Crawfords to you and say thank you, God, for calling them, for equipping them, for sending them. Thank you for the pain you've brought into their lives, the challenges that you've brought into their lives, and the ways that they have stayed faithful to you through it all. Let that be a testimony and a reminder to all of us that if we will do what you call us to do, you will take care of the rest. God, raise up some new missionaries from us. Equip them, prepare them, send them. Lord, help Bill and Debbie to be quick, slow, slow. As they minister to a new church body, help them to learn a lot, but also to teach a lot. Prepare the hearts of those people right now that they would learn to study your word in a way that honors and glorifies you. Make that church better through the suffering of their current pastor and his wife. Make that church stronger and strengthen that family and encourage them that they have brothers and sisters, even in Enid, Oklahoma, who are praying for them to further the gospel by any means necessary. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with His Spirit and His love. Let Him fill your life and satisfy your soul. Oh, let Him have the things that hold you and His Spirit like a dove will descend upon your life
your hearts are filled with joy lift your hands in sweet surrender to his name give him all your tears and sadness give him all your ears of pain and you'll enter into life in Jesus' name. Jesus, oh Jesus, come and fill your land. Jesus, oh Jesus, Thank you for being here, Bill and Debbie. That was good words to hear. And I pray that we would be doers of God's word and not only hearers. The benediction uh, verse for today is from Revelation 7:12. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed.